Hi, welcome to the Weekend Warriors podcast. I'm your host, Silvis Aramel, and today's guests are Alex and Tom from Cambridge, UK. Previously art directors from the AAA games industry, they're now founders, artists, and designers of the independent game studio Polygon Treehouse. Currently, they're working on their debut title, Rookie, visually breathtaking point-and-click adventure game that's inspired by Scandinavian folklore. Now, I'm a big fan of these guys, and I think my man crush is showing through during the episode. Being a former games industry art director myself, I really appreciate the transformation they've gone through from working for large corporations to starting their own indie game studio. They really turned themselves in the deep end and learned to design the gameplay, write stories, market product, and something most artists dread, how to run a business. In this interview, we talk about how important it is to have challenges that drive you, about remembering to enjoy the journey, and how to use restrictions creatively. I hope you like it. I really wanted to talk to you because I think you have a unique story to tell to the world. You're two extremely talented art directors who left the AAA games world to start your own indie game studio. And I know from experience how much in demand art directors with your skill sets are. You, know, you can run humongous projects, manage and direct an army of people and also create art which i think like that's the holy trinity yeah shit, what are we doing uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you could have gotten jobs anywhere you wanted i'm pretty sure of it and your background is as an artist usually game studio developers come from either business side or from the design side of this game studio uh infrastructure and and, and I, I think that also shows a very different product in the end and 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 gives Rocky your your first title um a very fresh perspective uh, in in the indie game landscape i remember seeing from your first pictures on 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 twitter as well when you guys started uh, putting out stuff that how how unique and and uh, how gripping the game feels it reeks of talent and uh, <laughs> that's, the illusion, so that's the illusion we wanted to create yeah exactly Tonight, I want us to, to have a deep conversation where your need to be independent stems from and, and uh, what really drove you into this de uh, decision of uh, creating an indie game studio. Awesome. Well, yeah, we, I think when you say, you know, is it, was it a brave decision? I mean, but I think for us, we, we kind of took our, our, our time over deciding what we wanted to do. Uh, but in the end, it was kind of, it was a very easy decision because uh, we've both been at Sony for a long time and yeah you obviously we're both from an art background but during the the long period of time that we were both there you know we'd had quite a lot of experience of marketing project management and lots of other things so we weren't like pure artists uh, wearing berets and just uh, you know um, just creating artwork because we had a lot of experience of uh, managing teams as well and hitting deadlines so there's so rather than yeah obviously we come from an art background uh, and that's our core but we had lots of complementary skills that we we built up over the years at sony uh, as well and because we'd been there for a while we'd had a really good time i wouldn't speak for tom as well um actually that's a 15 14 15 years is a long time so it's time to try something new and getting out of large team structures where everything you know it's a it's a very uh you know have this defined vision that has to be messaged out to everyone to make sure that everyone's hitting the right tone and understands the project having something where it was a really small team where we could just run with stuff and be slightly more free form and ex an experiment uh off the cuff as 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 we as we go was was really really exciting. Yeah, and I think it's I think we like Alex says we've been we've been at Sony for like fourteen years. We both went to uni together. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like it's a long romance <laughs> relationship. <laughs> uh, I know wow. it's longer than my wife. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'll just drop that in there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so we're at Sony a long time. Worked our yeah. way up and. I mean, you've been there. Like making games is hard. And making it is, AAA, especially AAA when you do with two hundred people, right? Yeah, I mean, we we never quite that big. I think we probably got to about a hundred, but I mean mm -hmm. that's still big. Uh, and the nature of working at Sony because it's a first party studio, 
we were often trailblazing. So we were doing things on new hardware. We were like trying mm -hmm. to push the boundary somewhere, which is exciting, really exciting to work on. But it also means you're kind of forever reinventing yourself a bit and having to learn things new. You can't necessarily create a foundation and build from that. Yeah. So every project had its own struggles and challenges that we had to overcome. I think we got to the point where we were like, actually, it'd be nice to just have our own challenges and own problems to overcome that are of our making, not like external things and, and kind of more of a passion project. Uh, and I guess it was serendipity in a way that we both were available at the same time and both were we'd like both interested in the same stuff, yeah. you know, culturally and, and like inspirationally, like we read a lot of the same books and comics and like the same films. Um, yeah, it all sounds very dull in some ways, but uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's it, yeah. really important. And we worked together a long time, so it meant that we could kind of come together quickly and be on the same page, and we trust each other. So, mm -hmm. like Alex said, I think you know, when you, the way you framed it, I was like, oh, yeah, perhaps it was quite a big deal. Uh, but in some ways, we were like, well, if we don't do it now. Mm -hmm. We're never gonna, we're never gonna do it. We're never gonna find out if we can actually do our own thing, or you know, if we can still make artwork like we used to yeah uh so we thought we'd kind of dive in and you know see what happens and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but you can try and enjoy the adventure and yeah go along for the ride and see see where it takes us i think that was one of the other things that was quite exciting as well was the prospect of going back and being more hands-on creating artwork again we've kind of reverted back to our the original disciplines we started in so tom specializes in environment art and i'm in you know, character art animation that's that that's kind of our respective positions when we started at sony straight from uni and um and so going back to those roles but with the 15 years of experience of okay with of art styles and working in different art styles and what that entails so i think the way i think the the one of the big things that we're both really happy with is see the it's an art-led game and the art style is very striking but actually the the art style itself is derived from uh, a series of really pragmatic choices mm -hmm. um of which sounds quite unsexy but actually uh, i find that stuff like a really interesting way of working almost like creative restrictions and yeah. uh, and actually sometimes magic will come out of applying those rules to how you're working and I think that's what's happened with uh, with Rookie and the and the kind of studio art style we've arrived at in looking at how we make a game that looks great and is full of motion and uh, has epic vistas and interesting characters, uh, but doesn't have a huge team of ten character artists or ten animators. It's like you know there is there's a there's a more of a team. It started off with just me and Tom, but now actually the, the team has, has has grown and we have. You know, uh, four or five uh, contractors who do part-time mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. work for us in writing or in design mm -hmm. or you know in different areas, but still the team is tiny. The team yeah. is tiny, um, and how how the game is being received and how you know, the art is being received is really exciting, and it shows that you can produce something that looks new and unique by applying these creative restrictions to how you're working. And that's I think that's a really Mm -hmm. so that's a really cool thing I mean, you've got re realistic as well you know we, we kind of lived in the world of you know photo reel pushing the boundaries you know super yeah. tech and that stuff's really cool <laughs> there were really talented people out there with massive teams so if you want to compete on that playing field like you better get some really good guys behind you and be prepared mm -hmm. to spend a lot of money or a lot of time on it and we were just like, we can't do either of those things realistically. <laughs> so yeah, you, you're forced to go actually. And also that's not necessarily something that really interests me. I think partly through being art directors, you're used to like a bigger picture. Yeah. So I, I struggle if I'm on any task for too long, I get a yeah. bit twitchy. Um, so I like the fact <laughs> that our art style is quite fast and you know, you can move yeah. through the whole game quite quickly. So yeah. Yeah, and it, it really allows you uh, the freedom to experiment because you can try something for a few hours and if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. You haven't sunk weeks and weeks of R&D time into it. Uh, it also allows, like, really, we have, like, one sequence we're working on at the moment where we have some characters that are cocooned and we're trying to work out a way of how 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 would we get them out and how would we do this mm -hmm. illusion. And it's, it's almost like some of that 
Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson stuff, all the practical in-camera effects of like how to achieve the illusion of something in actually a very simple way, and that stuff's fascinating. We can and we could we could try three or four ways of solving a particular problem, and over a morning, and I can fire off videos to Tom and say, Do you, "How is this one working?" and and we can resolve and against this rubbish. Start, start again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we can we can work really really quickly with you know with the art art style we have and try different ways of solving these problems. Mm -hmm, and we mm -hmm. we can and it allows us to fail. You know we can we can try try something and we fail and it's not the end of the world. We just we'll just try something else. And um, because it's so quick, then you know eventually we'll, we will get something that's like a little bit of magic. Yeah, so, yeah. I think you get. I don't know. I think for us, it actually means we get something that's kind of quite. Sorry, I dropped something before. Quite yeah. co cohesive. This is live. Sorry. Um, quite <laughs> cohesive, and it means you, you're not just insular and myopic on one thing. Actually, you can see how well the work you're doing affects other things, and take mm -hmm. those choices and make sure they're all considered. Because we're trying to make a game and a story. It's not just I want to make the little level I'm making look amazing, and that's yeah. my end goal. It's like, actually that's quite a small thing compared to what we're trying to do so you know the whole thing is actually trying to make a story um and a, and a kind of suite of characters and a mm -hmm. journey for a player mm -hmm. to enjoy and i think that's what everything kind of flows back towards uh and actually i like it's one of the things i really like about it is that even though we've got a larger team and and, yeah. and there are people who have come on board like that story that we want to tell is ours and it's yeah. something we came up with yeah i don't know kind of probably in this living room or like at the <laughs> pub or something you know it just then mm -hmm. it, it was us and then that's stayed yeah. there from beginning to end i think there's something quite pure and, and magical about that i had a question about like you guys obviously are both extremely talented uh, artists now i want to hear about your transition into storytelling because i know from my own experience doing a transition from concept art and art direction first with comics was difficult and and later on i started writing novels and that was even more horrible um <laughs> for some reason i stuck with it and uh, and it's hell every day so how is it with you guys how is being a storyteller instead of a game developer only because it is a different hat, and it is yeah. a different part of the puzzle there. I mean, I think we, I think it's interesting how the story evolved. It's, it's one of those things you look back and go, "Man, I wish we'd actually written it down at bare, like a month, every <laughs> month or something, what the story was." So you could, cause it feels like it grew quite organically. But I suspect there were key points in which you were like, "I think that's that, how most games are yeah. made as well." Yeah, yeah totally. Lead out. It's, it's um, not a novel. It's not a screenplay. It is a game that you have to fill out. But um, I think we had some like key ideas that we knew we wanted. I, I, I think we're, I'm going to get a convoluted answer now. Sorry. I think we're both quite pragmatic mm -hmm. and we do things in quite a structured way. So I think there were there were things we knew we wanted in the story and like high level um, high level themes we wanted to get into it. So we kind of had the building blocks, and so it's probably a way of like connecting the dots a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and so we actually kind of pulled together a rough draft i guess of what we wanted the flow and the narrative structure to be and then it's since then it's kind of been a case of refining it and um actually not being too proud to ask for advice from people who are better at, than us at that stuff you know taking feedback on board and like <laughs> you know and I, I something i kind of believe in is that actually i don't know, I'm, I'm a bit like OCD about stuff in many ways that I don't like things not making sense so if something there was stuff that nags at me and be like oh that there's a loop that's not connected there mm -hmm. and I, I kind of have started to just trust that my mind or the team will solve that loop that you put it out there but you don't need to then sit and stare at it to solve it you just put it there and actually your subconscious or like when you're not thinking about it something will close that loop as long as you address it and go like mm -hmm. this is an issue and then wait for it to just because you can't force this stuff as well that's one of the hardest things um and one of the things i've kind of learned probably on this project more than working at sony where you can 
create a team, a crack team mm-hmm. of people and kind of force it a bit, actually, when it's just a, a relatively small team. How did you guys go to towards creating the support network for this coming as a as a fully independent team of two people only first and now expanding that network? And I'd yeah. love to also hear a little bit about the transition between going from two man team into involving other people. Well, I think it's happened gradually. So it, uh, I think as various parts of the project opened up or um, you know, became available, we we got more and more people involved and we're fortunate in, in Cambridge there's been quite a few people mm-hmm. that we've known from the old studio who, who've been available so Sam who's helping us out with design stuff she uh, we work both both work with her closely at, at Sony and she's a very versatile person um, and she was able to spare us a couple of days a week um, and that that made a lot of sense again when mm-hmm. you think forming working artistic or you know get development relationships with people is very very difficult and i think we took for we take for granted the relationships we've built up over a long period of time yeah at sony and so actually now the team has you know expanded somewhat having a few of those members being people that we that we really you know we've been through uh, many projects with uh, some of them trickier than others but we know we have a, an understanding there that we've built over, over years, which is awesome. And I think actually without that, it's been quite tricky. Now, we've been very fortunate as well with the people who we'd never met before, like mm-hmm. our composer and sound designer. Um, uh, so we, you know, we've been very fortunate in that those, those things have, uh, have panned out really, really well. Uh, but to have some like guaranteed bona fide, rock solid, we can really count on you. And, and there's very little question that it's going to work has been has been really good and i think one of the reasons why we've been able to move so so quickly in some ways yeah i mean look this is right like you know if you if you if you can build a team of people you know and we've worked with that's the good starting point yeah. but um i mean the composer journey i guess is an interesting one to talk about in terms of like actually there's obviously a lot of stuff that is new to us on mm-hmm. this journey like we we, as alex said we did quite a lot of things at sony and and wore a lot of hats but you know sourcing a composer (laughs) is not one of them no so um and like weirdly like we pretty quickly got a lot of composers contacting us Mm -hmm. and like the first few like man it's amazing how have they heard of our game like wow like, How did you straight... put the shout out? Was it? We, no, we didn't at all. It was just no. like cold calling. I think they'd oh, cool. seen us on like Twitter mm-hmm. probably and just sent us like everyone was sending really nice emails. Like, here's our mm-hmm. work, you need a composer. Uh, well, this is amazing. Like, people are hearing about the game. And then you get to like the, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth one. You're like, this is quite a lot of composers. I don't know what to do now. So we were like, <laughs> oh, okay. We've decided to try and take control of the situation and yeah. uh, get them to do a pitch. Yeah. So we gave them, uh, I can't remember, was it one long bit of footage? Oh, no, it was a few key scenes from our yeah. demo, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And got them to score to that. Uh, and then like had a kind of interview with them and discussed their rates and stuff, mm-hmm. which is awkward but important. Like we're an indie mm-hmm. studio, so money is a factor, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, Jason, who, who we've got, he... Um, so he's got quite a big, he's not got a huge games experience, but it's got a really mm-hmm. big um, kind of presence in the music world. Like it's really well on Spotify and we really liked his music. Um, and he actually was one of the first people to get his test back to us and was like right. super, super keen. Uh, and I think that stuck with us and we <laughs> ultimately then got all these other tests back. And a lot of them were really good, but you kind of, for one reason or another, go through them. Um, and then we kind of went full circle back to him a bit, wouldn't we? So and I don't know if, in hindsight whether we we probably should have been more diligent up front of going through and perhaps <laughs> refining the pool of the people who pitched to us. But um, I think that's definitely one of the a good example of of like learning and how we're constantly learning new things, and you have to be open to that. Um, and yeah, I think probably, that's probably something we would do uh, quite different next time because we're probably just sort of picked to go with Jason. Jason is amazing. He's been so, uh, it's, it's one of those things where his, the reason why his music really stood, stood out is just it drips with atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And we, so one of the things, even though 
know, we don't have a huge musical background. Uh, we did have quite a lot to do at Sony with doing, you know, trailers and things like that and, and yeah. sourcing soundtracks for some of that stuff. And so one of the things we knew was that sound, with being a limit, you know, limited size art team, that basically sound, if we leveraged it well, would do half our job for us. Mm -hmm. It will, yeah, it will make it's true. make the the forest seem spookier. It will make mm -hmm. the, the caves seem, uh, you know, vaster. It will it will make the characters. You can try and put as much personality in as the animations as we can, which we're trying to mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. But then the 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 voice will then add another three hundred percent on top. So we knew, even though we didn't have the hands-on skills to be writing the music or doing the sound design, which would have been a, a, quite a big step too far, we knew that that was our key deficiency. And so we knew that that was that they were going to be like two of our, mm -hmm. our our key hires. And like Jason has worked out great, and Ali, who's a very serious, uh, very experienced sound mm -hmm. designer, uh, both been both been amazing, and that's really helped. Uh, boost the whole tone of the game and how everything hangs together and it feels really cohesive i think that's the thing it's all a big melting pot so whether we're sharing stuff each day on slack whether it's yeah. animation tests or musical sketches this is big everyone's getting this stuff and it's aware of it as we're making it all it's a yeah. reciprocal thing that's feeding everyone's feeding off everyone else it feels like a really nice collaborative way of working you make a good point about ali as well it's like one of the things that attracted us to him was that he is experienced we were like this is not our, not our bag and i mean alex is technical and good at that stuff but you also need to not spread yourself too thin so we, we were yeah. very you know we, we'd kind of signal out like this an area we need someone who knows what they're doing mm -hmm. can actually take stuff off us and, and and carry that burden a bit for us which is, is what he's done exactly so yeah uh, I really love it how you guys have shown off all this process, what comes into your animations and, uh, and story, and also the, the sound design in your dev blog, and also introducing all these new people who are uh, joining your teams. Uh, first of all, that's, you know, it's, it's that it's a great part of the indie games community that you have the freedom to do that. You don't have a publisher who's saying like, nope, we don't want you to talk about the game until it's, you know, uh, maybe E3 time, so we can spice up the trailer a little bit and uh, make sure that nobody ruins our marketing yeah, plans. Yeah, yeah. Because there's there's so many layers of control. There's so many different departments, and you're not just making a game. You're doing a product for a from a multi-million corporate company, and uh, it's a very different feeling when you can actually show your day-to-day -day activities and and not just the good stuff but the the realities of of how a game is is made yeah i think that's really uh we love that stuff i think it's really felt very liberating for us after uh working at a big studio to be able to get we can just share stuff as we want i would like uh, so we do share stuff quite regularly and i think it's really interesting to be able to share the inner workings of of stuff and our thoughts through development blogs as we're going. I would kind of caveat that with, I think you have to be careful as an indie developer not to ruin your own game for mm -hmm. people. And so actually, even though we share quite a lot of stuff of like characters and animations and different tech tests, we're very conscious of, of actually holding the that lots of meaty, the meat mm -hmm. of the game back really. Yeah. Um, because we, we you don't want to, Every, you know, when someone boots up the game and they're playing it and they're going on this adventure, actually you've ruined the game for them or there's things that would have been a surprise or a delight. Yeah, that's been, a very good point. It's been dulled for them. So I think you can you can dig into stuff that's almost like an extracted away from the game. Some of those development mm -hmm. tests are quite interesting because it's stuff from the game. Um, but out it's, of context, it's yeah. out of context of the actual game itself. Uh, so I think there's a you have to gauge that for yourself, like what is the the sweet spot of, you know, sharing stuff and how and having a steady drip 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 of of, mm -hmm. of your social stream, uh, which is really important to maintain, versus like keeping your precious stuff guarded so that yeah. it, it is a delight for people when they get to it. It's tough, isn't it? It's, it's a hard thing to to figure out and stuff like because we've worked on games before that where, mm -hmm. where we there have been stuff held back 
And then you're like, man, we should have showed it. More, more, <laughs> people were into, like, you did like Alex said, finding yeah. that sweet spot. I think it's mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard because what you don't want to do is kind of keep too much stuff back and not generate enough interest. But equally, you don't want to show everything and then go, I'm out. Sorry, you've seen the game. There's no point in you buying it. Like, so yeah, that's a yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a that's a difficult balance to strike. I think, but like yeah, like you say, I think that what is nice is mm-hmm. that that's something we can discuss and decide rather than you know going through you know a few different departments just to get the okay for a tweet or something um and actually I mean, Alex does far more of the social media stuff than i do but um, quite literally you guys are the marketing team of yeah. your studio right and then and, and, and it's been really fascinating to observe how you guys do it as well you have a really nice emphasis on creating swag and merchandise as well and, and beautiful t-shirts uh, and uh, what are some of the things that you have had most fun to experiment with doing these different roles? Um, I think the the social stuff has been really fun because actually you get very quick feedback. Um, mm-hmm. And so you actually you can, I wouldn't say we get metrics from it is, uh, would makes it sound too fancy, but definitely we, very early on, we had a kind of, if you're sharing stuff quite a lot, you can actually put something out and you can start to work out what is working and what isn't working, what's resonating with people. And that, I mean, the the game is the game and we're not really steer, looking to steer the tone of the game or the content of the game via social media. But I think what you can do is you can learn the most effective way of, of sharing your work and getting stuff out there. So in terms of playing around with aspect ratios or the branding of the social media assets and the GIFs or you know, videos you're putting out, out there, the hashtags you're using, uh, you can actually very quickly, um, if you're paying attention to how things are being received, build up a kind of uh, a list of things that we should be doing to make sure that the stuff we're putting out there, that its effect is maximized, which is, I, I find I find like the marketing side of things really, um, like really, really fascinating. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's been a really, a really cool, um, a cool, a cool thing just to experiment with because actually if you mm-hmm. do if you do something and it doesn't work like no one's died it's not the end of the world mm-hmm. you're just going okay that didn't work we chalk it up to experience and we, and we, and we <laughs> yeah well, like we had uh was it last oh i can't remember now I'm, I'm, my mind's gone uh was it, it wasn't last christmas it was christmas before wasn't it we had the idea for it's like it's calendar idea we were like we'll do the build up to christmas and like every yeah. day it'll be like you're tearing off a bit of the calendar and we'll show something we're like this is amazing this is like gonna blow up and it just didn't at all oh. and, like, <laughs> and i think uh, partly maybe i think because the image on that you first thing you saw was just a number mm-hmm. so that you didn't get any sense of what it was mm-hmm. um and it's fascinating but you go yeah fine it didn't work don't want to do it again nothing lost um and yeah. we were showing it was kind of like a highlight reel of the year yeah. so it wasn't like yeah. we were generating new content um but yeah, it's a good example of something we were like, this is, we've really struck. We were like, people are going to copy <laughs> us, it's going to blow up. And yeah, just for whatever reason, some stuff just doesn't, just doesn't go. And you kind of just have to accept that, I think, don't you? Yeah. Going back to what you were saying about social media, I think one of the nice things about that, regardless of like what works and what, what doesn't, is it, it stops you from being like suffering in silence. You get people going, that is good. Oh, I like yeah. your characters. Or like that environment's cool. And you're like, oh, we are doing something good. Like people are following us. Like they like mm-hmm. what we're doing. Like maybe we're not shit after. Like you go, actually, our stuff. People are talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and whilst obviously from you know you could go down the ego route and say that's really rewarding, but like putting that stuff aside, just you can, sorry, I'm going to shut down all my um, other apps that are making noises. Um, putting that stuff aside, it's nice to know that you're doing something good that people yeah. like. Um, I think that's really important. And then when and when it's your own stuff, that kind of creates that feedback loop that's really rewarding. Um, and you need that because games is making games is hard. So you it need some you need something to make you go. Okay, let's go again today. You know. I had a question about you guys. <laughs> is that based on what we said tonight? Just looking at us, or <laughs> <laughs> I had a question about the the the, the other hat. Uh, that most artists hate to talk about, which is the business hat. Um, Should we go again? Our, our suits. <laughs> I feel like that is that is a part that uh, is 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 
often ignored in the reality of making a successful product or a, a successful art project ever you know you need to have sustainability to keep it up for not just for the next year but but for many years and, and um, i'd love to hear a little bit like how you guys approach this different side of the industry and uh, what kind of surprises or challenges do you have had in there as well i mean you had so much positive reception with the game itself so i believe there has been um, you know a lot of good things on the uh, on the on the, the business side as well as you guys have you know now recently uh partnered up with the uh, publishing studios as well and uh, but but I believe, you know, there must have been some some things you would have wished that uh, you knew three years ago already. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, that that's one of the areas we knew nothing about because mm -hmm. we were never exposed to that. I mean, I think we're, we've been around the blocks. We're not stupid. And I think we, <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, you, you can you can have your final thoughts at the end of the podcast <laughs> on that. We'll see how it goes. Um, I, well, so I... <laughs> I think one of the things we were we started off we were like let's make sure we keep our costs low like we so we mm -hmm. kept the team to just us and we weren't extravagant and we made sure we could make a game and if needs be we could make it with just us with a few key highs we we, we knew ultimately that actually our budget would be quite low apart from supporting ourselves which fortunately like for myself i have a wife who gets has a job and brings in money and you know so that was my my little hack for that uh but actually in terms of making sure we didn't go let's make this game it's good you know we're going to go out and we're going to need 10 million and we're mm -hmm. going to already got this team of contractors and they're ready to go and like yeah but they need you know we need one million runway every month like we would actually it's just the two of us these we live with our means we create a game we can create uh, mm -hmm. by ourselves so that was i think the the step the first step that we did that we could control mm -hmm. and then we started going out and having meetings with people and i think that's probably where there was a learning curve uh in terms of being out in that world of showing your game off and and having conversations with people and being people quite people being quite receptive and enthusiastic about what you're doing mm -hmm. and then potentially you just don't hear from them and that's hard. Oh, no. um, and you're and actually, because I think we try to get back to people regardless of whether it's like, no, we don't mm -hmm. have any work at the moment or we don't need a composer again, or, you know, we, we try and at least respond. But yeah. when we had what we thought were positive meetings and they didn't, and, and I think the reasons were probably absolutely fine. And, and I think one of the difficulties with where we're, kind of pitching our game and the life cycle of some of the consoles and stuff. It's like, it's a tricky market. Like in the games world it is a tough place. Mm -hmm. So you need to mm -hmm. find where you're going to fit into that. So not every meeting you have is going to lead to gold at the end of the rainbow. And we both were aware of that. I think it yeah. caught us off guard though, that you could have like really positive meetings that wouldn't go anywhere. I think, um, yeah. I think that with, um, I think we'd, one of the things we'd learned was actually as well as like developing the game having like if you're running like a few of those conversations we've been quite picky of who we've been talking to because we're uh, yeah we're fortunate to have quite a lot of of interest but even like maintaining a few of those types of conversations was a, it's a lot of work and i think mm -hmm. I, I don't i don't definitely didn't anticipate the, yeah, the how much point. how much work that was and also because it would kind of it would sometimes something would go quiet for a while and then suddenly it would rise up again and then it was very hard to judge whilst we're developing the game um but i think that's been a big learning process and actually and this is i think as a any kind of creative being open to learning as you're going is really important so i, I did a panel at bafta mm -hmm. um and uh charles the guy who uh, works on sexy brutal he basically said he said something and I was on the panel. I was like, actually, that makes a lot of sense. I wish we'd done that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> he said, um, actually, with when when the way they're working is they'll do a demo and they'll make the demo and they'll finish the demo and then they'll just stop and then they'll go into like business pitch mode mm -hmm. and they'll do that full time. 
uh, and like halt work on the game. They'll do that full time until that's resolved. You know, what, how, whoever they're going to be partnering up with, and then they'll go on and actually make the game. There'll be a hard kind of cut-off point, and that that was uh, that's completely different from how we've done it. And I can I could definitely see the positives um, from that. But I think well, I think we've been fortunate with the business side where we've had the opportunity to learn and to meet with some great people and um you know and it's we've come out smelling of, of roses in the end and also we should probably say we've we were really fortunate the probably the very first thing we did on the business side was um look at what funding there was available like mm-hmm. grants and funding eu funding and mm-hmm. uh and because that was okay you know we if we're going to need a budget for a project and there are grants available we should we should explore those opportunities yeah. Yeah, and we were fortunate in the end to um, to be uh, granted money from the UK Games Fund, which was which mm-hmm. was great. Uh, we did go down quite a few other routes, which turned out some of them uh, to be like a waste of time, <laughs> to be blunt. Yeah, um, dead ends. Yeah, yeah dead ends. Um, but then you know, then those things pan out. So I think that's it's hard to know really because with applications for various things, they can be quite time intensive most people want to see different things. So you're having to tailor applications mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. to specific things. But yeah, I think that's, that's been a big learning thing. Uh, but I think having some of that experience made us know that when we started chatting to Denis at United, uh, the United label, but actually he was uh, super on the ball. He was really excited about the game. Was, and we, had, we very quickly struck up a really good dialogue with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it made it, it made it, there'll always be a slight leap of faith mm-hmm. in any kind of like businessy thing. Yeah. Um, but obviously, or even like buying a car, anything, you, you always, you can get all the facts, but you're always going to have to make a slight leap at some point. Um, and so, but yeah, that, I think we, we both felt quite comfortable going, mm-hmm. going, going into that and felt quite, uh, quite positive about it. So. So, so yeah, I, I think it's it, it's been one of the bigger learning experiences, and probably one that I think we would certainly change how we we. I mean, things will be different next time around anyway, by virtue of having done a game. Hopefully, mm-hmm. that's you True. know decent, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, have already having contacts and stuff. But if we were to have our time again, there would certainly be things that do, we do differently. Yeah, um, and like even like as far as the demo we did, which I think is a really a strong demo but we were you know from our time in the industry we were quite mindful of not making a throwaway demo that yeah. was you know something that wasn't in the game because we were yeah. like we can't afford the time and resources to just do something that never works its way into our narrative so we end up kind of using the start of the game as the demo um and i think that has merits but then mm-hmm. the downside of that is it's the start of the game and actually it has to be paced for mm-hmm. the start of our kind of narrative and and it has you know certain things in it are there specifically as a contrast to what happens later to kind of set the scene and and so it might not immediately grab everyone's attention in the same way as like a high octane you know uh meeting with one of the creatures in later yeah. on in the game might have been um and so that and that stuff's tricky. And like, you know, you, there are always things you can do better. So I, personally, I kind of wonder, like, oh, maybe if we picked something from later on and done that, would that have kind of borne different fruit if someone had played like a five-minute thing that was amazing rather than uh, you know our, our slightly longer demo that I still think was really showed a lot of good stuff, but perhaps they didn't. It, I'm interrupting myself, but it's the, the difficult thing is like when you know what it the game is you project from what you've got you go well this is clearly like this shows mm-hmm. the start of the game and then the rest of the game's like this but you go well they've not seen that even if you tell them about that and they, mm-hmm. they just play this they might not make that leap of faith so i think you guys are wonderful examples of using restrictions creatively and facing new challenges head on even if you had no previous experience with it um can I ask you guys, what kind of goals do you have with Rogi when it, with its release? I'd like it to be good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone to buy it. Um, yeah, is it, <laughs> I think to um, 
it sounds silly in a way, but to be a game that we're proud of, because I'm proud of it now. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, what you want to do is you want to get it out there and be you know, feel like you've put something. It's never going to be the best version of what you could have made. Like it's because creativity and restrict, you know, budgets and timelines. There are factors that you you can never make something that is like the best thing it can be. Yeah, if I don't even know if that's a thing, right? But what you want to do is feel like you've made the within the restrictions you have, you've made the best version it can be. Um, and so that's kind of my goal for it. And that equally that we can look back and try and enjoy the journey as well, because I think you can also put too much emphasis on like getting to the launch and making it and finishing it and that being the thing and not going like hey like we've made this game and it allows us to yeah. have a fun podcast and chat about it and like get to <laughs> and have a few beers or like you know and that stuff is is actually often some of the really the things you remember more than mm-hmm. launch day look at reviews and like oh god <laughs> That kind of stuff. Yeah, so. I think enjoying the journey is really, uh, really important. I think mm-hmm. that's part of us being more, more hands-on. Again, I think we're definitely both enjoying the aspects of it. I'm guessing for like the end, like what, what in terms of like what impact we'd like to make. I'd like, I'd like to make something that to people feels a bit different and a bit odd, um, and just in terms of the, I guess the the overall package and the the story and the, and the characters something that kind of sticks in people's minds so i think that the kind of nature and tone of the world uh and being somewhere that what people want to you know draws people back to play again would be i think we're creating a captivating mm-hmm. world when it gets out in the world it'd be you know into the wild it'd be really interesting to see whether you know, it's perceived in that way as well i think the other the other kind of key thing we're trying to do from like playing a lot of adventure games growing up is to make a contemporary adventure game so we're trying to like dial back on the levels of frustration that <coughs> people had playing those games yeah. growing, growing up i mean when i was growing up if i got stuck in a game it didn't really bother me because i had all the time in the world now um time is slightly more limited so i'm playing a game and i get hideously stuck and it's and it's not a logical there's not a logical solution and after you know you have to google it or whatever then it's that's kind of frustrating <laughs> so i think in, in in everything usability mm-hmm. in terms of how we're handling the dialogue and the story and how you're interacting with things and also in like the puzzles and then being without you know not making them boring but actually mm-hmm. that things have there's a logic there that you can work out and how we're how we're leading the player through the game so i would yeah this the kind of a contemporary adventure game that's that feels like a a challenge to play but yeah. it's ne- never frustrating is a is a really key thing for me. And actually, I've thought of a better answer now. Anyway. What, <laughs> what I love, no, I don't think. One thing I'd actually like is people to finish the game, which mm-hmm. sounds, like, sounds like a really easy thing, but there's so it's many super games. rare. It's rare. And I, but I think we've got a good story to tell. And I think we've got captivating characters and we put effort into making sure each character you meet has an interesting story arc. So it's not just the main character. There's like, you know, there's backstory and there's complexities with how the family works with each of the, the different characters. Uh, so I hope that people will want to find out what's hap- what's going to happen and what's happened in the past because yeah. that plays quite a big impact on, on how the family is. Uh, and so for me, that is actually weirdly kind of aside from all the art stuff and that's our bread and butter that's our background like the story is kind of the thing i want people to to experience and and you know see if they like it partly because actually like you touched on earlier that's the one of the new things for us it's like Mm -hmm. creating the art is like well that's something we've done for a long time so we're comfortable doing that but creating a new story (laughs) and having people like that Mm-hmm. and and you know enjoy it for me that would be really rewarding yeah i think the story is a really interesting thing i think one of the things that um i remember sam who we're working with again now we work with sony she used to keep a massive sticker on her desk at sony that said keep it simple stupid mm-hmm. and um i think we i think we've done a really good job of making sure the story of Rurki remains at its core quite simple and one of the reasons for that is that it's it's a game it's not a movie. And so what we've tried to do is take some of the key things about the plot 
and reflect them in gameplay. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of that stuff has to do with you and your brother Lars, and there's some stuff to do with your, mm -hmm. your, your father. But rather than like being cutscene, 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 in what you're what you're doing is progressing the story, and that's really that's that's really important. And some of the relationships you have with the different characters, it's do with um, you know uh, actually you know activist gameplays you know progressing the story about those relationships and we've so rather than being like um, a plot point heavy story where there's lots of twists and and turns and there'll be plenty of surprises mm -hmm. actually the core of the story is quite simple it's a story of, of a broken family and a young girl trying to go and get her brother back who's been nicked by this massive monster but then within that there's <laughs> there's also um I'm not sure what the technical storytelling term is, but I would say um, there's reflections of relationships. So there's mm -hmm. relationships that mirror, 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 mirror each other in both the kind of the the family, mm -hmm. the human family, and some of the inhabitants of the of the folklore world. And that's I think in having the core of the story quite simple, but having having relationships between some of the characters that resonate and reflect each other. Is a way of make it makes everything kind of mesh together. Yeah, and it feels really nice. Um, so I think both the simplicity of the story, in some ways, and and trying to do a lot of the storytelling through gameplay, I think is one of the ways that I think we've done a really good job in how we've approached the storytelling. Uh, and then we have had a little bit of experience with, like, so visual storytelling. I worked a lot of like previous stuff, so mm -hmm. we learned how to. How do you deliver, this is the unsexy way of saying it, how do you just deliver the, what is the key information you need to get across to someone, like visually, and mm -hmm. then how do we signpost it and deliver it in a way that they can, they can either, you know, assimilate just mm -hmm. very, very quickly, and then also in a way that actually then imparts meaning as well. Um, so I think we're, we're trying to do a lot visually, uh, like we because we don't want the game to feel super stilted dialogue is an important part of the game um but it's not it's not like an interactive fiction game uh, so we want the you know the, the characters to be there and you have a really interesting time interacting with them and then they really propel you propel you yeah. through the story it's kind of like you want the players to enjoy the journey just like you guys want to enjoy the journey of of making Ruggy. so hmm. yes that's good uh, <laughs> and and that journey is extremely long it, it's hard and uh, mentally and physically exhausting how do you guys take care of yourself then so i i've got like I, i'm i've got like some special tricks yeah i, I do so um <laughs> please sarah's so i one of the things i do is when i'm working i wear a hat mm-hmm and uh well, I, you're not wearing your hat now this, this, like, this is party work. time this is oh, like, well. party time yeah <laughs> uh, so i think as well like we don't have an office so we basically work tom works here and i work back at, in my uh like my spare bedroom essentially in my flat and um and so that is a really difficult thing of, of like when you finish your day of work that you're you're not like on your phone checking your emails or your slack messages and you, you basically you manage to disengage your brain before you go to sleep. Um, so wearing a hat sounds stupid, but basically it's just a way, a slight reinforcement of like, am I working? Am I not working? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and actually, I can't take credit. One of my mates uh, who's an engineer who works for himself suggested to me, I was like, sounds stupid. I'm going to try it. And it's like, I think it definitely, there's, there's something there. And it sounds it's, great. It's, it's like an armor you wear to go to battle. Yes, I'm in work mode. I'm out of I'm out of work mode. Mm -hmm. Also, so sleep. I think that I think for me, I've got like a really and Tom's probably the same. My brain is like boom, boom, boom. It's firing all mm -hmm. the time. So I need when I stop work, and so I try to finish work a, a, a good time mm -hmm. uh, because I need I need a while to unhook my brain so that actually I can you know when I go to sleep, I I. I don't want to be thinking about work when I'm trying to go to sleep and exercise as well. I think that's there's definitely something about um, putting your body through a bit of mortal peril. <laughs> that I think there's something about in, in the animal part of you that suddenly goes, 
oh, all this stuff I was worried about is total nonsense because I've just <laughs> I've just nearly had a heart attack. <laughs> there's, there's, so, uh, there's, I think it definitely is a way of, of putting things into perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm quite fortunate as well because my wife's a nurse and she uh, she'll often come home and tell me stories. Resuscitate you after you no, yeah, exactly. exercise too hard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, she'll she'll come and I'll, I'll be like if I'm concerned about something that's happened or I'm stumped on a technical problem I'm trying to solve, and you know I'm going, oh, it's, it's been a terrible day. And actually, something that will happen at her work at the hospital is mm -hmm. act is you know is, is a magnitude worse. It's actually affecting people in the real world, um, and so actually, it's really important to keep stuff in, into perspective, you know. And exercise helps with that. Um, and yeah, just taking all the opportunities you can to go out and, and do stuff. I think we're mindful of um, we don't be doing crazy hours and we want to be enjoying the ride. Uh, obviously, we are also mindful of not just floating around and really driving stuff forward at a at a decent, good rate. Mm -hmm. um, but there's definitely a, there's a real there's a, a a real knack and balancing act to make sure that. Um, that you stay healthy both mentally and physically because um, those actually this is a one of those other reciprocal things that if you're you need to take care of yourself because that's when you'll do your best work if you're rested you will uh, you will do good work if you're tired and you're knackered and you're stressed you will not do good work um, and I think uh, this is a, there's a slight balancing there because a, cer a certain amount of ambient well, a certain amount of adrenaline sometimes mm -hmm. or motivation to propel yourself <clears throat> and get and get some traction on something is a very helpful, very yeah. helpful thing. Um, but I think you, you have to you have to take care of yourself and you can't try and brute force things sometimes. It's definitely better if you especially with creative stuff and technical stuff is creative stuff as well. It's all it's all creative uh, problem solving that if you if you've had a little while looking at something and you're struggling with it basically don't try and brute force it just step away mm -hmm. just step away and you'll go you'll go for a run or you'll look at it the next day and you'll resolve it in in like five seconds um i think that's if if anyone is making games or doing any kind of creative endeavor that is the actually a single bit of advice that i would give them if you're faced with something you're struggling with it just mm -hmm. step away step away have a break come back at it with a bit of perspective yeah i think so from my point of view i think one of the certainly when we started out on this venture you know you kind of hear people talk about working from home and that it's you know it's like hard to get going people procrastinate they'll do the hoovering or you know they'll <laughs> go and make a cup of tea and they don't really work and that actually wasn't my problem at all it was like, okay i'll start work i'm doing something mm -hmm. i like doing and i want to make this game I think I didn't really anticipate, as Alex says, kind of working from home. So you don't kind of leave work. It's mm -hmm. you're just, always there. It, it's always there. And that I wasn't really prepared for. I think that's that's quite a difficult thing to do when you're and particularly when you're aware that you have a lot to do, mm -hmm. that can be hard. Um so I think like Alex says, that actually makes sure you get out and mm -hmm. you you know you interact with people and it's not you know just the, the postman or something you know you're trying to find on facebook or whatever um <laughs> you know but you, you go and see friends and like you know it's like oh my, my son plays rugby and i do coaching yeah. with that and stuff on a sunday morning and it's like it gets you out and away from this world mm -hmm. um so i mean that that kind of some of the stuff that helps me um but also like recently one of the things i've started doing is just reading a lot more and I, I re used to read quite a lot anyway, but now I'm kind of like in my a lot of my spare time when I'm not uh, in dad mode is mm. I kind of will just read because I find it quite therapeutic and you have to concentrate to you can't really be thinking of something else. Yeah. And what I like about it as well is it's not like I'm on social media and I'm looking at yeah. loads of kick ass stuff that oh go oh, I'm not my our stuff isn't as good as that or oh, wish <laughs> my art was like that or like, oh that's a good idea shit should we put that in and like feature creep or whatever actually it's like oh here's a, here's a story that I'm imagining so actually any ideas that I have off that are kind of valid and I'm not yeah. necessarily ripping anything off because it's my vision of something um, and I'm in a different world and it's an escapism and I really like that so that's something that's kind of helped me recently um so i've kind of tried to replace the 
you know, scrolling on my phone for for reading instead, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which also That's makes clever. Me, which makes me feel kind of you know good about myself. From that yeah, level. I, I used to take. I used to have a. Lo- well, I still have quite a lot of baths because I found that like a bath. <laughs> bath, you mean a bath? These are bats to start with. <laughs> yeah, I really like bats. They're great. Because <laughs> um, you'd be yeah, because it'd be a, a place where you had no distractions. You could sit and read. Um, but actually, now I've worked out, I can take my switch into the bath, and so yeah, that's ruined now. But having definitely, it's good to to have time away from from screens, and uh, yeah, it's really. It's really important because actually, if you're not careful, you from the moment you wake up and you turn your alarm off on your phone, mm-hmm. and then until you're going to bed, you can be looking at the screen probably every single minute of the day, and it, yeah. that's it's, yeah, um, it's not good. I think it's one of the hardest things as well. Like you kind of go this this amazing connectivity that we have with everyone and everything at any one time, and it should make our lives easier. But actually, all it does is it makes people expect you to reply within about three seconds to anything, email, kind of. Mm-hmm you know, message or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's quite a hard thing to deal with. So um, I think limiting the ways you can get that, whether it's just not having your phone or, you know, not having that app on your phone or, you know, saying I'm done for the day or whatever and having some hard and fast rules really helps as well. Um, and then actually one, or a slight tangent, but one of the things I find really helps in part because obviously we've got a whole game to consider and there are lots of interconnected things and perhaps areas that you go, well, that's not resolved. As I touched upon earlier, what really helps me is to just write it down. Yeah. It's like, this is a problem. Yeah. This is a problem. And like, but in almost the act of making it, making it something solid. Yeah. Helps you resolve it and gets it's like the first step into solving it it stops it being like almost like blank canvas syndrome it's like well i've made it something that can be struck out and so that for me is like a is a good way of helping to solve I, things i think i'm a big list writer as well and i think it, there's definitely something of you're carrying this information in your brain and until mm-hmm. you write it down you can't stop carrying it because you're yeah. afraid afraid you're going to be losing yeah, you unload it it's onto abstract yeah, so there's, that, there's a kind of thing where when you write something down, there's an act of like I've com- I've committed this to to paper. It is it's secure there? I can I can yeah, yeah. I can take it out of my brain for now. Mm-hmm. I can come. I'll store it in this bit of paper, which I hope I won't lose, and then I'll come back and uh, address it another time. Yeah, it's fascinating. Actually, maybe I'll treat myself at the end of the project to go through all my um, Apple notes that I've written. <laughs> it's just like, what does this mean? All my list things to do each day. Uh, yeah, I I love making notes that only I can kind of understand. And then, like, I like to write them in the middle of the night, and the next morning I give them to Kaya, and it's like, why? What are you trying to say, Silver? <laughs> yeah. And then usually, actually, I didn't even know what I was trying to say, but I, but I was very clever when I wrote it the first time. Oh man, that's an amazing time! If you could, you could, yeah, encapsulate that moment where you feel like you've come up with the greatest thing in the world because you're slightly half asleep, or it is in that <laughs> circumstance the greatest thing. Yeah. So yeah. I have one more question to you guys before we wrap up this session. Um, are you guys ever afraid of not meeting your goals with the game? And how do you deal with that? So I think uh, we think we do put a reasonable amount of pressure on ourselves because um, this is a big investment for us in terms of uh, time and energy. You know, mm-hmm. time, time, and energy. And then we we do have a certain amount of uh, pressure there. But in it, to a certain point, I kind of feel like we've already succeeded because. Um, I think this is probably a psychological way of like of cutting ourselves a little bit of slack. <laughs> is that it could have gone disastrously wrong, like uh, like within a few months. And I think yeah. one of the things when we feel under the cosh or under the strain um, with anything, I think it's one of the things that we both remind each other of from time to time is that actually just take a look in the rearview mirror and see all the things that we've we have resolved and we have achieved. I think that's that's really important um obviously you don't want to be kidding yourself mm-hmm. um and you you want to be aware of the reality of of like where you are along in in kind of making the game and 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 how good it is 
but I think uh, you have to make sure that you're, whilst you're examining some of the negative things, you've also got to be mindful of the, of the positive things and the things you have achieved. Uh, and that's really important to temper tem temper that stuff. Um, because, uh, yeah, otherwise, if you're just looking at the kind of, okay, we need to fix this, we need to make this better, or, you know, then I think it's um, it's it's healthier to to look at it in a in a balanced in a balanced way, um, and I think from in some ways from the moment we decided to do to go India and do this thing, you know that was the that was the um, that was the a, a, you know a, a relatively big big choice, and the fact that we're on this adventure and we're having these experiences and we're chatting to you and we're and going to these shows and speaking to publishers and sharing our stuff it it feels like in some ways that that the amount we already we're already succeeding and people mm -hmm. people are excited about it and our job in some ways is to uh marshal it through mm -hmm. you know to, to marshal it through to maintain that vision to maintain the energy and to keep on getting better and better and um yeah and deliver a game that hopefully really uh that really excites people I think, um, from my point of view, I think you have to be have to be realistic about what you're doing as well, and recognise like you know we're doing things for the reasons we are. There are circumstances that dictate those reasons, and you can't necessarily change them. You're heading towards something, um, and as long as you're doing things in the the best kind of interest at that time, that's kind of all you can do. If you if, mm -hmm. you know if someone's giving you feedback that says this isn't very good. And you say, I'm going to ignore you and go down this path. And then actually it turns out they were right. Then mm -hmm. actually you have to go, right, yeah, I should have listened. So like one of my things is like, never be too proud. Always listen to what people say. If you have, ultimately, if you have a really good reason for not doing, changing things, and that's fair enough. But like you always have to listen to other people's opinion. Um, and actually don't let go of the things that, that nag like I like I said earlier like I'm, I'm I like things to be resolved so I, I try not to let go of things mm -hmm. that are at the back of my mind and like I'll write them down but you know and then you try and you make sure you come back to them and I kind of visualize it as like you start off with this huge circle of stuff mm -hmm. and as you go it gets smaller and smaller and everything starts to tighten until you actually have something that's quite crafted and like there aren't things fraying out connecting to these things outside of the circle that don't make sense um that's kind of how i like visualize heading towards that goal that you get everything in this kind of nice tight little package that makes sense to you and you're happy with it mm -hmm. and that's all you can do and if it goes out there and other people don't like it or they think it should mean something else then that's fair like there's loads of other games everyone has their own opinions you can't make something that appeals to everyone you just have to make something that you feel is right for what you wanted to do and the story mm -hmm. you wanted to tell um and that's kind of ultimately my goal like you, i kind of you can get caught up in like sales figures or review scores mm -hmm. or like and actually it's not really a way to determine success in some ways like i think the success is the targets you set yourself and the thing you wanted to make um and you ha have to try and remember that <laughs> don't get me wrong like when it gets reviewed and it comes to that point <laughs> i'll still be there go oh my god um but i think it is really important that you go well that's just a few days in like yeah. a you know two and a half three year journey um so i you know you have to have a, a, a certain level of uh philosophy about it and, and actually that's where kind of having some experience of, of doing projects and launching them and you know some doing well some not doing so well mm -hmm. you know seeing the kind of arbitrary reviews at times and how that can go and like <laughs> there's a lot of people that are going to review your game like you just you can't control the internet right so True. just uh my thing is like just be true to who you are be true to your project and and that's that's it, you know. Uh, be in control of what you can. Let everything else go. I guess one thing, yeah, it's one thing that's really important for us is we're making a polygon treehouse studio game. We're not making, yeah, we're not trying to copy anyone else. We're basically trying to do our well. We are doing our unique blend of art, taking all our skills, and we're taking all our thoughts and ideas and emotions and putting it into this game and this. 
and this thing is being formed, is being birthed. Um, I'm being helped now with the other people that have joined the team who are giving, lending us their vision in different aspects of the game. And I think making a, a the, the game, the first game, it's a polygonometry house game, and not trying to be distracted by what other people are doing, just doing our own thing, playing to our strengths, um, and giving our voices a chance to be heard. I think it's really important. Thank you for listening. Please check out Polygon Treehouse's website for more Rookie. The teaser trailers and screenshots are stunning, and I especially enjoy their devlog, which address a mine of information. If you enjoyed this Weekend Warriors interview with Alex and Tom and want to hear more conversations with obsessive makers, insecure authors and over-ambitious artists, then please subscribe to the channel because there's plenty more to come. I'm your host, Silver. See you next time.